0: Welcome back to the Cold Turkey Podcast. My name is Joe Lombardo, and today I have a very special guest with me, Dr. Yetkin Borlu. Dr. Borlu and I have known each other for several years now and have a few mutual acquaintances, but one common area of interest we also share is that we both received our PhDs in the social sciences. Dr. Borlu specializes in Turkish rural sociology, and so we discussed, among other topics, the current status of agro industry in Turkey, as well as its global importance, especially for the United States. So without further ado, Yetkin, welcome to the show. Now before we begin, why don't you just let the audience know who you are, all of your various accolades, and I want to get to the first question as well. That is that you know you specialize in rural sociology and in particular agro-industry. So really what I want to ask is what exactly is it meant by agro industry and what is its current status in Turkey in terms of percentage of economic activity you know where are these products going what are these products and so on?
1: Hey Joe, thanks for having me uh, on your podcast. Um, so I'm uh, currently a sociology content editor at the American Institutes for Research uh, and my res- uh, as you noted right my past research and current research as well, um, and publications uh, have involved agricultural um, development in Turkey, as well as uh, in the United States. And I'm specifically focusing on uh, commodity chains, right? How we can think about the commodity chains, the, these agro-food industries, right? Um, how can we think about uh, those chains, the value chains or commodity chains, as structures where uh, different actors, economic actors, are negotiating right um, so uh, and definitely just a note here important note I guess right my comments here uh, will be based on my own thoughts and ideas and it does they don't represent um, the the official view of the American Institutes for research so I uh, just wanted to um, uh, touch on that really briefly um, so yeah I've let me th- think about uh, the agrofood industry—it um, it really represents this intersection between agricultural production, uh, processing, and retailing, right? Like when we think about the 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 chain from production to consumption, what's what's happening in between? Um, when we think about uh, the the share of agriculture, agricultural production, not processing and uh, retailing, right? Those are more Uh, industry and and service aspects of uh, of the chain Uh, but when we think about production right the the share of the gdp the gdp share of agriculture uh, is about six to seven percent right now uh, which used to be higher uh, in the past but right now it is about six to seven percent and the share of uh, employment right the share of agriculture and total employment Uh, is about um, right now 18 percent and that used to be about 10 years ago it used to be between between 20 and uh, 25 percent. So we see um, uh, a a cultural production right like in the um, in other maybe uh, other countries where small scale producers uh, are an important part of the uh, farming population of the farming community Right. we see um, a larger share uh, of um, of the em- employment being made up by farming communities uh, in those so- societies like in Turkey um, and we can see the the economic value of that uh, being uh, rather smaller um, and of course that is is dependent on the the level of economic development right uh, in in um, or the stage of economic development, rather, um, where we see a larger share, um, a way larger share, about 60% of the economy in Turkey uh, being made up of service sectors, uh, and um, about like one-third, about 35% of the economy uh, consists of, uh, of manufacturing, right? So that money value is rather small, but when we think about the, the human value, of agriculture, it is still uh, very significant um, and the, the place of uh, small scale producers, which make up half of the, uh, half of the uh, farming communities uh, in Turkey, more than half, um, uh, still it, it is a very vital and lively discussion point uh, in, in Turkish politics, in, in Turkey's politics.
0: The European Union and Russia, I surmise, have a very different relationship than that of the U.S. with Turkey regarding agriculture. To be somewhat anecdotal, I recall a few years ago some of my Turkish colleagues in Istanbul complaining about how all of the quote-unquote good tomatoes grown in Turkey really just go to German and Dutch mouths while the locals are fed some sort of less quality produce, let's say. And likewise, I imagine that for the U.S., The relationship may be more in the realm of say industrial chemicals like fertilizers and so on is that correct what sort of relationship does turkey have with its close neighbors and that of the u.s in the realm of agro industry
1: Uh, yeah that's a really important question like the the turkey's position uh, in international markets right Um, in regional markets as well as in international markets uh, so Turkey's uh, agricultural production uh, is that the spectrum is very diverse, and of course that relies that depends on uh, the, the the ecology right that exists in Turkey, the diversity um, of uh, ecological habitats uh, from subtropical subtrop- climates on the Black Sea coast to uh, Mediterranean climates right. Um, on the western and uh, southern coasts to uh, inland climates in inner, in central anatolia um right rather uh, mountainous regions right where we see more uh, traditional animal husbandry uh, on the on uh, in the eastern part of the country eastern anatolia and in the southeastern anatolia we have uh, rather um rather warmer climates right um so from that perspective we need we can think about right turkey uh being able to uh deliver all these uh, produce all these different uh agricultural uh, crops commodities um when cotton is one of the uh important ones right like when we think about uh, turkey Turkish textiles right uh the raw material for textiles right like the those uh, Turkish towels there <laughs> that we <you love>. allow <laughs> so they are made um not all of them are made with Turkish cotton but um or cotton produced in Turkey rather right um, but uh, we see uh, the the raw material textile being uh, one of the important uh industries in in, in Turkey uh, and Turkey being uh, uh, one of the important exporters of textiles, right? Uh, Turkey is among the top five in textile exports in the world. Um, we see the, the raw material, right? The source of raw material being rather diverse as well. It's not just from Turkey, but it's also these uh, textile producers, the industry uh, in Turkey uh, is buying half of their cotton, half of their raw material uh, from, from other countries. So we we can see that, right, uh, uh, the international markets uh, being really active, right, playing a significant role in um, in manufacturing and then agricultural producers, right. Um, When we think about uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, the main markets for these crops are the European Union and Russia, Um, um, and, of course, we can think about the uh, Trade relations being impacted uh, at times by uh, political relations as well, right? So, um, when we think about the uh, uh, trade, a cultural trade between Russia and Turkey, uh, there have been uh, let's say certain years where um, Turkey's uh, crops like tomatoes or other cultural crops, right, uh, being rejected for not complying. Uh, um with the uh, health standards right like some some of the uh, pesticides herbicides right are being measured uh before all these crops right are sampled first before uh imported crops are uh distributed into the countries right where they are uh, and then uh, we can think uh we can think of several occasions where the russian government decided to turn away the uh Turkey's crops <laughs> uh, during sp- especially tense moments. So we can think about right, the, uh <laughs> a cultural uh, economics cultural economic relationships uh, being impacted um, by the political relationships as well, uh, which is which always strikes me how that happens. Um, and, right And other, when we think about other uh, commodities, right the nuts and dried fruits um uh, turkey is one of the important um exporters um to north america right north american countries as well as uh europe countries in the european Union. um so uh, what are those crops like what are the crops we can think about right that are that can be found on international markets are hazelnuts right not necessarily in raw form or even um Roasted, but uh, in our uh, hazelnut pastes, right that are usually mixed with chocolate, right? Like, I can't think about that delicious Nutella. <laughs> uh, and uh, the majority of the hazelnut supply in the world uh, is takes place uh, in Turkey, and then that hazelnut being uh, exported, right, into international markets, usually uh, directly purchased by uh, international corporations right for uh, for different uses uh, after hazelnuts you can think of uh, about maybe dried mulberries dried special organic sun-dried apricots right uh, when you buy uh, sun-dried apricots right, or if you come across dried mulberries as well which are delicious <laughs> um, yeah i encourage you to look at uh, where, where they come from and uh, if the distributes distributor puts that information, you might see Turkey as like one of the countries uh, that you will see often. Um, and then, of course, uh, last but not least for these uh, nuts and dried fruits, are raisins, right? Uh, when we think about, again, about organic raisins, maybe, uh, we see Turkey uh, as being one of the largest producers uh, in international markets. Um, another sector... Um, Agricultural cultural sector we can think about that's really important in Turkey and has become more important over the last uh, 10 15 years is the poultry, uh, poultry and egg sector, right? So, when we think about chicken, uh, chicken meat, especially uh, as well as eggs, uh, fresh eggs, uh, we see those industries being um, significantly invested in over the last 15 years in Turkey. Uh, and when we think about the uh, exports, we see uh, different places, not necessarily European Union and North America, uh, but more uh, uh, regional, other regional areas, markets uh, where uh, producers and uh, industry uh, sees opportunity, like uh, Northern Iraq, right? Um, or uh, we see also, like in the uh, poultry industry, a lot of inva- investment uh, and in the feed sector too, in poultry feed sector, we see a lot of. Um, investments from uh, Southeast Asia, from um, and from East Asia, um, where, for instance, CP Group—you uh, might not be familiar with it—but uh, it's it's an important um, international uh, corporation uh, based in in Th- Thailand, as far as I can, if I'm not wrong. Uh, But yeah, so they have been uh, significantly investing in Turkey in in feed production, uh, animal feed production, poultry feed, uh, as well as uh, raising right animals, and then uh, as a result, we see um, also a lot of exports right of that uh, processed already processed raised uh, and then processed poultry meat being exported back to. Uh, Eastern and uh, East Asian and Southeast Asian uh, countries. That's that's some more of a uh, recent development of the of the twenty first century, I would say, uh, in Turkey. Um, and then the food sector, food processing sector, right? Like using all the different ingredients, right, from dairy to sugar, right? Um, uh, all these different, uh, like to starch uh, sweeteners. Uh, we can think about um, several uh, important um, food processing companies uh, developing, right? Like from decades ago, but becoming really important, uh, rather important international actors. Start becoming international actors um, in markets in uh, food and agriculture markets. Uh, one example is the Yildiz Holding. Um, you might be familiar, maybe Ülker, uh is one of the brands under Yıldız Holding, um, and just to underline, like why, uh, how important uh, these uh, Turkish Turkey-based corporations have become. Um, Yıldız Holding owns, for instance, Godiva, like Godiva chocolates. So we can think about, and that purchase happened in the late 2000s, but it really shows the importance of. Uh, the, the industry, uh, food and agricultural industry, uh, developing uh, and be, becoming more integrated with the international markets over the last 15-20 uh, years. Uh, and when it comes to U.S. and Turkey relations in agriculture and uh, rural development in, in contemporary Turkey right now, uh, we see several um, U.S.-based uh, international corporations being active in Turkey as well. Uh, Turkey having such potential in terms of its land and uh, rural communities um, uh, one example is um, is DuPont right um, and it's uh, seed company um, uh, Pioneer so is one of the important companies right the, if, if you ask farmers in Turkey they will especially in, in uh, certain crops uh, like corn um, you will uh, you will hear from farmers that they are using uh, a dupont-based uh, certified seed and that's the uh, uh, that's one end of production right like when we think about inputs the involvement of uh, us-based companies and on the other end right the consumer uh and more on the end of processing um another example is cargill right we can think about uh cargill as a company that is more involved in processing starch, uh, corn starch, uh, producing corn-based sweeteners, uh, as well as processing vegetable oils. Um, and Turkey has been an important base for for Cargill for years now. Uh, as far as I can remember, they've been active since the 1960s. Uh, and uh, have, they have made significant... Um, uh, investments uh, throughout the uh, 1990s, and still they are, they are an important actor uh, in those uh, areas. Uh, the last topic related to this question I want to talk about, uh, right, like with the uh, integration of Turkey into the international markets uh, in agriculture, agricultural products, right, uh, food industries, food manufacturing, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the, the state of small-scale farmers in Turkey. So I, I mentioned earlier, right, like the, my response to your first question is that um, that the share of the uh, employment, agricultural employment, uh, within larger uh, employment sector has decreased uh, from about 25% uh, 10 years ago to uh 18 percent now um and of course when we think about the large portion of these farmers right uh, individuals who are employed in agriculture uh made up of uh small-scale producers um uh we ne- we can think about um how they might have been impacted and in my research and in other research rural development research uh, in on farming communities uh, showed that the increasing risks uh, with the opening up of markets to international competition uh, manifests itself like way stronger for uh, small-scale producers uh, where they lack Uh, If you think about the the conventional state supports through uh, cooperatives and uh, government purchases uh, being gone or withdrawn from the picture, right from uh, market intervention, we can see that the the risks uh, for small scale producers to shift. To, to an open market <laughs> uh, without uh, a network, a safety network, um, is has been rather detrimental, um, and I mean we see uh, the withdrawal this, uh, of small scale producers from production in the shape of uh, rapid urbanization, right? Uh, individuals not. Like especially younger generations, not being able to find jobs in uh, in their rural communities anymore, um, migrating to to cities, to to larger towns, to pick up uh, uh, employment in uh, service sectors or in uh, manufacturing sectors. Uh, of course, with this rapid urbanization, right and. Uh, Migration of uh, younger generations, uh, younger members members of the household, leaving for jobs in in larger towns and cities, um, also has an impact uh, on on the uh, rural welfare, where uh, agriculture is not necessarily considered. Uh, not in all, but in in an increasing number of households households, it's not considered as a. Uh, as an only occupation, right? Like it's it's not relied on as uh, the main source of income, but rather is taken as a sort of investment, right? So it's it's not just like putting all your eggs in the same basket, but considering uh, agriculture as farming as, as a source of income. But um, for a lot of households right now, especially for uh, small-scale producers, um, agricultural production is only one of the, Income sources, whereas, um, again, like in the in the uh in the eras like in before the 1990s, um, 1980s, um, we see producers uh completely relying on their farming income uh, and then being able to sustain their livelihoods, which is not the case anymore. Um, another aspect, right, like with the uh a cultural production, right, with increasing uh, international competition, uh, lowering prices, uh, like decreasing crisis, um, has driven individuals, um, young uh, members of these rural households, again, into cities, which brought up another problem, which is rural aging, right? Um, and, like, you see the average age in rural communities, Um uh increasing um over over time uh steadily, right? Incrementally but st- and steadily increasing in these uh uh communities in rural communities and uh we only see in a lot of cases we see return to rural communities when individuals retire from j- their jobs in cities or towns and then if there's an interest in if if they inherited a piece of land and if they were interested, we can see them again going back to farming, um, rather uh, as a as a source of additional income, rather than being the the main income for these uh, communities. So what it really comes down to is is the the welfare of these communities, right? Is agriculture is farming a source of? Um, a livelihood for uh, rural communities, uh, which is which is an important question to ask, right? So we should not necessarily um, expect uh, the loss of uh, community, right? Disintegration of communities, farming communities. We shouldn't like expect that to be normal, uh, or rather normalize it. But like think of that as um, individuals uh, having to move. Uh, for for their li- livelihoods and their econ- the economic activities that are really important for the rest of the society, right, rather uh, maybe being uh, more undervalued, right, when we just like leave everything uh, to to market dynamics. Um, from that perspective, the the concept of foods. Sovereignty, right? It's we know, like everyone is familiar with, uh, food security, but uh, as an important principle, food sovereignty, like the the idea of production, farming, staying more local, and producers. Um, being uh, having more say in uh, how they are marketing their their crops, um, their their produce. If they have uh, an organization to process their crops, right? Whether they can process and then sell their crops or their, their products. Um, in sh- in short, like how much autonomy are we are we willing to give to? to producers in these uh, value chains, in these commodity chains, so they can sustain a better livelihood, right? Um, where we can shorten the uh, commodity links, right? Where, let's say, uh, we are consuming more local produce than from uh, than crops or produced from uh, another country. And where, where we are really looking, uh, where we have more uh, of a holistic understanding of, uh, community welfare um, continuation of economic activities and how consumers are attached to, to this whole system right and this idea of uh, food sovereignty is also right, as, has also been voiced uh, by the um, United Nations uh, organization of food and agriculture um, so I um, don't really uh, prioritize um, the welfare, the the community welfare uh, of of rural communities. Uh, And then just like think about economic dynamics, right? Um, In a country like Turkey, where rural population is still significant, still important, um, the the dissolution of the communities in these uh, spaces uh, will really pose problems uh, in the future, right? i mean are we going to be able to create jobs for all uh, all these individuals who can who are not satisfied with their uh, production or with farming anymore um and if if they uh, if the majority of them right uh keep migrating given that we cannot provide the um the welfare of these communities um are they going to be happy right are they, uh, will they be able to integrate uh into the uh, urban uh, cities uh, and if i mean, you're familiar with the, how urbanization works uh, in turkey um where we see right uh, rather uh, wealthier parts and then we see segregated uh, low income communities right where they um where they live but then, go and work in the service or manufacturing industries uh, leave their uh, neighborhoods um, and then in the evening, they go back to their neighborhoods so they are they are not necessarily integrated into the city so are are we ready for uh for those changes which have been happening, but are we ready for more and um like what are the costs of losing uh the texture of rural communities so those are like really important questions I wanted to. Uh, not leave outside uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this discussion.
0: Yetkin, thank you for that very comprehensive analysis. I, I found that fascinating. and It really does want to make me research a bit more on this question. So I wanted to turn direction a little bit and in a very academic manner, ask you one question, that's in fact, two questions. So you and I have both completed extensive fieldwork in Turkey. And one of the challenges, at least for me, and I'm curious to hear your experience, is that it is often hard to garner the trust of your sources. You know, It's not a matter of days or weeks. It, depending upon your funding, it could be months or maybe a year plus. So the first part of that question is, why is interpersonal trust important in conducting qualitative field work about rural development? And the second one is, what was it like as a Turkish social scientist? I know as an American people were generally polite and helpful, but there was always this veneer of suspicion of why I was there. Did they often wonder why you came from the US to do this field work? Yeah, I've done uh research uh both in
1: Turkey as well as in the United States. Um and yeah, so like when it comes to there are, there are differences between uh the the, the countries. Uh, in terms of my experience at least, my, my own experience. So I'm, I'm not going to share like really detailed information, obviously, but uh, the points of research uh, for, for researchers, for people who do fieldwork in Turkey, uh, maybe some key points from my own experience um, uh, where interpersonal trust is really important. Um, so first of all, right, like we, we want our respondents when we, work, when we do fieldwork Especially qualitative, fieldwork. Um, we want our um, uh, our respondents to to be as open as they as they can, um, so we can really understand uh, what's happening um, in their own experience. Like how can we uh, interpret the trends um, based on their own narrative, um, and whether we can see that narrative, see that the same story so to say, right? And from different people. Um, Then we like in qualitative research, we we have a feeling where we uh, are really saturating the data, right? (laughs) You know, like the reliability um, of our findings um, is is really important based on how much, uh, based on the rapport that we build with uh, our our respondents, our participants. Um, so if there's like low uh, trust, low level of trust, if the uh, respondents are not necessarily trusting the um, the researcher, right? Uh, the, the, the data uh, we get from them uh, might be uh, rather misleading, uh, more confusing, more noise, right? Um, and of course, when we think about uh, these uh, trust issues, uh, uh, the last thing we shall think about this is like personal, right? It's, it's not because uh, the, the person doesn't trust the person, like the, the respondent is not trusting the uh, the researcher. It is more about the, the social uh, dynamics that we can think about, right? Like the political environment and polarization, um, economic interests, right, especially when we... Think about conducting research in Turkey, right? Uh, talking with small scale producers, uh, they might think um, like what my economic interests are, why I would want to interview them, right? And of course, the the other aspect is the uh, being a U.S. based researcher, uh, being based at a U.S. institution, and then going back to Turkey. Uh, To conduct research, so it's kind of raises eyebrows, right? So, I want to touch on those really briefly. Um, So, overall, when we think about um, the trust in Turkey and in in Turkey's population, um, based on the World Value Survey, right? Uh, The most recent um, estimates show that in Turkey, um, uh, only 14% of the people agree with the statement that most people can be trusted right 86% of the uh respondents uh in the survey uh <laughs> from turkey um did not agree that most people can be trusted so how does that look in the united states not too high but still significantly higher in in the states uh 37% of the uh individuals uh, of the respondents agreed uh, that most people can be trusted. Um so uh, like what are the what are the dynamics right in that um, in that rather distrust um right so um I mean, I can give just like very quick examples first right before going. Uh rather the, the dynamics that I think that are influential. Uh just like really simple examples right this is like the, the question of who sent you. Right, Seni Kim Gandarde in Turkish. <laughs> um, it is a is a question that I received in uh, implicitly or explicitly um, as as someone right, someone who speaks Turkish, well, grew up in Turkey, uh, did their education in Turkey, and then, if being staying affiliated with the U.S. institution and going back to Turkey, um, that question uh, I I've encountered uh, a lot and vice versa like in the on the flip side conducting turkey and the united states uh, i don't want to say that the uh, uh you know people in turkey are uh, uh do not trust others as much as uh people in the united states um but in the united states at least with, with farmers it, it, it is really based on uh who we are talking to um uh, but just like explaining my credentials right the, the uh the reason uh, to do research the research rationale uh your affiliations your contact information in the united states it, it is most of the time enough uh, whereas in, in turkey um as again as a us based and uh, turkish <laughs> uh researcher in turkey um it it takes more uh, it takes more uh, let's say uh, talking and then um, showing that you are really invested in the topic and, like, you have no other interests, no economic interests, no political interests. Uh, you just, like, want to learn what's what's happening with them. And, of course, like, sometimes, uh, yeah, we Just let's just cut this part, this last part, <laughs> the last part that when I said, like, sometimes from that, Uh, part we can cut, so yeah. When when I think about the um dynamics, more specific dynamics that might be affecting uh, based on research again, right? Uh, might affecting be affecting uh, people's trust uh, in Turkey. Um, yeah, when we look at that specific research, uh, we see like rapid urbanization, economic restructuring, growing economic inequality, uh, being. Uh, one of the important factors right, that uh, really undercuts people's uh, trust towards each other um, in a country like Turkey, where we see uh, a moderate inequality, but it's, it's one of the highest levels of inequality among uh, OECD countries. Uh, let me look at the specific place of Turkey along with the United States and Mexico, very interestingly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so rapid urbanization, like uh, more intense competition, right, over economic resources, uh, increasing inequality uh, takes that part away from uh, from our trust. Uh, another aspect is political polarization, um, right, uh, where people make assumptions on an on another person's motivation uh, based on their political affiliation. Um, and Turkey is not alone obviously in political polarization. Uh, we can see pol- uh, the different examples all around the world, uh, developed countries as well as developing countries, high-income, middle-income uh, and low-income countries. Uh, but yeah, Turkey is not uh, not polarized it's it's a rather uh polarized country in terms of political affiliation and how we see other people um who uh, declare their affiliation with with a specific political group so um and obviously when you want to talk as a researcher uh as a researcher with. About topics uh, that touch on people's livelihoods, on their, on their uh, challenges that they're experiencing um, in their own communities. Uh, those are sensitive, obviously, questions. And then, um, as much as political, sorry, as much as economic inequality, we see political polarization also playing into that, where um, people might be trying to understand whether you are. Working for the government or uh, for for the U.S. government, right? And so that takes a lot of uh, convincing out of work, um, which where we have where we have to be really patient um, and uh, reassure people that our contacts are there. Um, it's it's voluntary, right? And you are not serving any political interests or any I mean any specific. Uh, interest of a political organization, or an economic interest, um, and the last one is, of course, the the fact that uh, that um, as a Turkish researcher still being affiliated with with a US uh, organization, right, um, uh, might be bringing up the the trust in foreigners, right, in Turkey, uh, overall trust ag- again, like from the uh, World Values Survey, the the most recent, uh, seventh wave. Uh, The trust in foreigners in Turkey is about 31% and in the United States is about 73%. Um, But again, when we think about the different aspects, right, like why there might be less trust in people who live abroad or who are foreigners. Um, Obviously, modern Turkey uh, has historically bordered uh, active conflict zones and still is bordering um, conflict zones. Uh, we can think about from the Balkans to to West Asia, right? Like Middle Eastern countries, uh, has played and is still playing uh, key roles, right, in these conflicts. Uh, let it be uh, peace uh, forces or let it be right more rather active military involvement in these in these conflicts. Uh, so Turkey has become uh, over the last right decades has uh, become more and more uh rather involved and some con- people consider more entangled <laughs> uh in uh, regional conflicts um and that of course like adds to um i mean when we think about the history of cold war right and Turkey being uh one of the frontiers of the um, um of the uh, western bloc um we see right that Uh, foreign involvement, right, in Turkey's politics, economics, um, in people's livelihoods, Uh, being just part of uh, the the social experience, uh, social memory. So we can think about distrust in foreigners from that perspective as well, uh, which might be affecting, right, Uh, where, where people who are going from the United States or let's say from European Union, uh back to Turkey to conduct research. Um, uh, it's a topic that we should we should really consider as a factor.
0: One thing I'm also curious about is the sort of status of education in Turkey. Muwazachi University is a school that I know. I know it very well. I've spent considerable enough time there. It's actually really the first place I began to learn Turkish, gosh about a decade ago. And it's probably the most iconic campus in the whole country if not the world to be honest it you know sets itself upon a high hill in the bosphorus on the european side and it is just an incredible view it's been in the news a lot uh past couple of months so i'm wondering if you could shed some light on what exactly is going on there uh yeah so again thank you so much
1: for uh, having me here um and yeah so like as one final note I would like to touch on um, I mean just briefly talked about interpersonal trust right how important it is for uh, for us for social scientists to uh, get rather uh, unbiased right um, uh, information data uh, from our respondents where we rely on uh, on interpersonal trust where they uh, where we can assure them that if uh, we are conducting research um, uh, to create knowledge uh, and so that that will be used for uh, uh, for the improvement of our policies and for the improvement of our uh, relationships uh, we're right like we want to conduct research that has uh, real implications, social implications. Um, so yeah, like uh, within that context I, I want to touch also, have a segue uh, to to what's happening in in Boazici, at Boazici University. I'm not going to talk too much in detail but um, uh, the, there are currently uh, protests happening um, at Boazici University that have been going on uh, over a month now. Um, uh, and it is more uh, it 's not just a student protest but it 's also we see protests started seeing protests uh, in different uh, towns in on different campuses uh in in Turkey as well um, and it pretty much comes down to uh, like where, where the uh, tension lies uh, it comes down to uh to the um, autonomy right the autonomy of uh, of a democratic presentation uh in uh, universities right and how much uh, executive uh, branch of the government uh, should have a say in uh, university administration right and how much of that uh, should be uh, rather uh, determined by the constituents uh, within the uh, within the university within the university administration. Uh, So, yeah, the the autonomy of of universities are really important because universities are the only places, right, uh, where we can exercise our academic freedoms, which is part of a democratic society, uh, where we need objective information, unbiased uh, um, information and research so we can um, design our policies and... For the improvement of our societies, right? So it, it's a it's a very academic freedoms are, are a very important uh, integral part of uh, of the democratic societies, um, and definitely yeah, I I would like to uh, express my support for uh, for a more democratic administration uh, at Božići uh, at Boazici University, and obviously I'm not I'm not alone. Uh, I just wanted to. Uh, touch on this as as a personal note as well.
0: So thank you so much for uh, this opportunity. Yetkin, thanks so much for being with us today.